In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us be seated. I'm going to tell on myself to start. I forgot my sermon at the first service. I had to run back and get it out of my bag. So I made sure not to touch it between services. And I'm making sure all my pages are in order. That has also happened to me before. Like I said, my name is uh, Mother Jane Allison. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'm normally at Trinity uh, or preaching at one of our diocesan youth events when we're able to have those in person. (laughs) And the gospel today is such a wonderful gospel uh, to preach on because really we're in a season in our gospel readings where it's all about call, all about the call that Jesus extends to us. So I'm wondering... Have you ever been so excited about something that you dropped everything that you were doing because you just had to run and tell somebody? You wanted to share in it with someone else. Like, not a tangible gift, but the gift of you sharing is why you just had to hurry out and rush, and it could only be right that second. That I just won the lottery kind of feeling. So our our gospel and our New Testament readings are both like in that excited hurry, that it's immediate and now, and it's so caught up in the present that it's in a hurry with itself. I think the immediacy is palpable when we start with the gospel. So let's imagine ourselves actually in the gospel passage, like, like we're right there by the Sea of Galilee. We can hear the water on the rocks. Maybe you're in a a little fishing boat like you are every day, except on Sabbath. You're probably hungry or a little bit bored. The sun's out. It's mostly the same every day. Fishing's kind of predictable that way. Some days more fish, some days less. But today, suddenly, you see Simon and Andrew, and they're abandoning their boat And now they're hurrying after a man you don't recognize, so you're wondering what is going on. So you look around, and old man Zebedee is waving at you, but he looks as confused as you do. And where are James and John? They were just in the boat with their father, but you only see the hired men now. So maybe the thought hits you. The way they just dropped everything, everything, and followed whoever this person is, Well, whoever this man is, did something really good or really bad just happen or about to happen? And maybe you wonder, will Simon or Andrew or James or John come back and tell you about it? What have they been called to? And what did this somebody say to them? Well, we know what that somebody said. As the Gospeler Mark tells us, we hear Jesus say, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. So I wonder, where would we expect to find this kingdom of God? And do we expect to see people we don't like there? That's the challenge. If you and I we're to start making exceptions to the kind of people, the kinds of people we don't want God to bring together in God's way of making a kingdom, then we're getting into Jonah territory. 
Jonah, who is known for being swallowed up by the whale and vomited up on the shores of Nineveh, Jonah was so mad, so mad, that God didn't destroy and wipe off Nineveh off the face of the map because Jonah didn't like Nineveh. They weren't his people. They weren't his political party. They weren't his neighbors. They were just not the kind of people he liked. And Jonah wanted to use God as a weapon. So he was so mad when God's love prevailed and God was not a weapon Jonah could use. The God who walked and talked and gathered up disciples met people where they were. There was a tax collector who was essentially a sellout to his own people, and he was called in by Jesus. There was an Iscariot and a zealot political extremist, and they were called in by this Jesus. Peter was called in, and Peter only wanted the good news for the Jews. But on the other hand, the other pillar of our faith, Paul, a converted murderer who encountered Jesus, he was obsessed with spreading the good news to the Gentiles, almost the polar opposite of Peter. So disciples are not one size fits all when Jesus goes around calling them, actually far from it. And I don't even think it's fair to say it's a wide variety. It's like it doesn't make sense. These are people who were in different worlds or couldn't stand each other or believed radically different things about God, each other, and politics. So it makes me think about politics and divides now. So Jesus had disciples with all kinds of different politics and beliefs. But what about now? I hate watching the news now. I hate seeing armed insurrectionists. I, I'm asking myself lately, what kind of so-called Christian nationalism hoists up a Jesus banner while shedding blood at the Capitol and expects the God I know, the God I know of unconditional love, to want that kind of Jesus to be known? It makes me think of how important it is that we know our calling as Christians and we live into it. So many people feel so alone and angry in this world that the only call they listen to is hate. And you have to be taught to hate. It's a siren song bent on destroying you and everything around you. It takes time. It also takes a lot of time to undo. So I think no one hurting and lied to and manipulated by hate can be called out and then called in if we ignore our calling to be fishers of people. If we ignore our calling, how are we going to call others in, off of the brink, out of the deep waters, out of hate, and into love and real life-giving power as the kingdom of God? And not just some people. We're not just supposed to call the ones we like. We're not supposed to share the good news with the people that are easy, but all kinds of people, especially the people God's lo God loves that we don't like. And spoiler, like Nineveh, God loves everyone. So we have to get better at that. This Jesus 
why we call ourselves Christians. He fished out Simon, Andrew, James, and John. He fished them out of their normal lives to go from town to town, to listen to parables, to be followed by lepers, curious religious types, desperately ill people, all kinds. This Jesus, remember, called out Paul and turned him into a church planner. Paul, who wrote the letter to the Corinthians that we heard, Paul, who wrote like every day was the most important day to share the good news, like there is only now to share it so people can hear about the love of God. This Jesus kept calling more and more people and inviting them in, and they spread the good news, and they passed it down from generation to generation to generation until it found you, and the church is still here. This is the same Jesus who called you, who fished you out of the water, who breaks bread with you in radical hospitality. And this same Jesus is calling to us still. This same Jesus wants you and I to know the excitement and feel the urgency that we need to share the good news now with the people who need it the most, with all kinds of people who desperately need to hear a voice of love instead of violence, especially the ones we might just want to cancel and ignore. I think of canceling because we live in an internet age. So much is online. And cancel culture, that of canceling someone, is common. You might have heard it. It's like when an actor or a politician or an author, they get canceled. Either something is brought up from their past or they stand by sharing hate speech online, for example, and a rallying cry goes out online for them to be canceled. So unfollow them, demonetize their platforms, tank their celebrity uh, prowess. But cancel culture can be abused. And yes, the calling out part is important. The accountability part is so important. I also think for Christians, calling out should always go hand in hand with calling people in. So I'm encouraged by a New York Times article I read recently. It's about Professor Ross, and she teaches at Smith College. And she studies and pushes back on cancel culture. And even because of that, folks have called on her to be canceled. She pushes back on canceling people because she studies modern hate groups. She studies why anyone joins and becomes indoctrinated by hate speech. And she knows that it's because they want to belong. They want to be understood. They want to be protected, to have a purpose. They've been hearing the voice of hate for so long that it's the only voice they can recognize. And it's the only thing that they think will keep them safe. And it's what they even think love is. So in this article, she said, calling out assumes the worst. Calling in involves conversation, compassion, and context. When you ask people to give up hate, you have to be there for them when they do. When you ask people to give up hate, you have to be there for them when they do. Let me ask you, I know it's a New York Times article, but doesn't that sound what Christians are supposed to do? She wasn't talking about the church, but 
I see the church's calling right there as disciples of Jesus who called us to be fishers of people, throwing out that net and not knowing what we're going to pull in and see, but sticking around, doing it with conversation, compassion, and contacts with people. And I want to be clear that Dr. Ross, she is not pro-hate groups. And as Christians, we are not pro-hate groups either. We are pro-calling out evil. We say so in our baptismal covenant. The waters that we were washed in, that we live into every day as our calling as Christians. Calling out evil is really necessary. And it goes with our greatest calling. That when we are fishing for people, we don't just throw the ones we don't like back out. No, we are supposed to show the unconditional love of God to all. To offer for them to know the transforming love of God instead of what they have known. Our greatest calling is to love fiercely and to call people in. We as Christians need to love louder than the hate people listen to. There's the song that says they are no, we are Christians by our love. So not by our actual fishing skills, it turns out, but by our love. So we need to stick around with people. Did I think being a disciple of Jesus and fishing for people was going to be easy? I guess not. People fishing sounds strange and difficult and not a walk in the park, but Christians being known by their love I think we can do that. I'm not good at fishing, but I, I strive to love people. So thank God that's what I'm called to. I'm also called to make my commitment to the good news of Jesus Christ known anywhere I am. There's no place that the light does not shine. There's no place where this world can do without love. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to recognize this, the greatest news, the love of God that you just can't wait to share. And to recognize that we are all called to keep calling people in and break bread with them so that they can at least have the chance to know love and follow too. Amen.